got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional Homegirls, it's the kid Ebony from the PhD podcast, the only place where you would hear interviews from Black women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics. Now, if you hear someone that sounds familiar, mind the business that pays you, child. If you like the PhD podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please, five star reviews only. Hold me down, don't hold me up. Merch is now available on the site as well as my book list, so please make sure you visit the link in the show notes below. You can connect with the kid on Instagram at the Professional Homegirl and at the PhD Podcast. If you are on Twitter, please follow me at the PhD Podcast. Now, if you are all caught up with episodes, listen to the bonus episodes by supporting the PhD Podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PhD Podcast. 
Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. So I'm super excited about this week's episode. My guest will be sharing her journey on being a Black atheist. So to my guests, how are you feeling? I am excited. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. We was kicking before we started, y'all, because she's <laughs> OD funny. Like, <laughs> ah, <laughs> I try. I don't know. I feel like I was saying earlier that I just feel mainly like when I'm doing the videos, making them, I mainly feel like a dork. And this is if I myself in my room and I'll be giggling to myself. I never know how people will take it. So I really appreciate it. No, you're a mad fan. Like, you should look into being a, um, a comedian. Ah, I wish I would tell my I, mom that. <laughs> oh my god, we gotta talk about your mom too, man. Yeah, <laughs> I know she's a lot. She's a lot. So before we begin, for those who've been living under a rock, what is an atheist? That's a good question. I feel like there's kind of depends on. Okay, I'll just tell you what I I think of it as an atheist. So how I when I use that label on myself. What I'm generally saying is that I don't really operate from a place of of faith. So like I don't hold those beliefs. I don't believe them. Like I don't, you know, incorporate them into anything that I do in my day-to-day life. So generally what I think of it is someone who's just without that specific faith in the supernatural or in gods, right? But there's mm-hmm. also like a sliver of that, that there's some people who say, oh, atheist means that you're telling us that there is no God. So there's different, you know, shades of it. So for me, how I use it is mainly just saying, I don't really believe those things. I don't operate out of that place of faith. But of course, there's also people who are going to be like, oh, you're telling me there's no God, which to me is not the definition that I, that I use. Because there's two different types of atheists that you explained before. Yeah, yeah. So like it... And it's just, you know, I always tell people that words, like human beings make up the words, the words don't make us. So it's like, mm-hmm. it depends, however you want to use it is how you're going to use it. So there's hard atheists or atheism, which is, yeah, people who are like, there is no God, you know, that God is not real, that's not true. And they're like denying the claims at, of there being a God or supernatural, right? So that's more hard atheism. And then soft atheism, and some people also kind of use the term agnostic too, but that's kind of different. But, you know, soft atheism is kind of what I would describe myself as, where if I'm not saying that there is no God, because I don't believe you can, you can disprove a God, I'm just saying that I don't currently believe in a God. So that's more like soft atheism. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some other labels that you people can use besides atheist? Because I learned a new word, agnostic. Agnostic? Yeah. Am I yeah, saying agnostic. Long day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agnostic. It took me a long. Like I had a hard time trying to say agnosticism. Like it's a. I don't know what it is about that word that makes it like, hard to say. But yeah, agnostic. I started. I don't. I have no idea where I even heard that word for the very first time. Like it is such a interesting concept. But basically, agnostic. How I think generally how people use it is to mean like, oh, I just don't know. Like I'm undecided. I don't know what I want to believe. Like I'm just kind of living life and, and mm-hmm. I'll see what happens, right? So that's fine. I think that's just generally how, you know, people use it day to day. Um, I I even when I started my channel, I didn't even know because I started my channel right at the kind of the very beginning of me even talking about being in this land of non-belief. So I was just kind of just excited to talk about it so I started going by being that like I felt like I was just figuring things out like I knew I wasn't really Christian anymore and I knew that I wanted to 
think about it some more. So I just put my, the label agnostic on, on it, right? And so to me, that mm-hmm. was just, you know, I was just using it to just say, like, oh, like, I don't really know what's, what's happening out here. Like, I just want to, you know, figure things out. But I think to what I what I came to learn, like, agnostic is more so about the, um, like, the knowledge side of things. So, like, there's some things that you can know, like, you know, what temperature does water freeze at? I feel like we can all come to consensus about what the, the temperature that water freezes at, right? Mm-hmm. When you ask the question of, like, is there a God, like, how do you even go about proving that like to me I don't think it's possible with the current tools that we have or even ever like I don't think it's possible to prove or disprove a god so to me it's like I I, even the atheists who like put so much energy in trying to disprove a god I'm like you guys are wasting your time I don't think that's a worthwhile (laughs) thing to be doing like just leave it alone it's not gonna it's not gonna work and I don't think you can you can say there's no god so that's why I think that agnostic is you feel like there's no way that you can like, you know, for sure ever come to 100% consensus about what something is or to know for sure something, then mm-hmm. that's like, okay, I'm agnostic. I don't think we can ever know this. But like, you know, some people just generally use it as like, I don't really know what I believe. I'm kind of like in the middle, which is mm-hmm. which is fine too. Like, I don't ever tell people what they should call themselves. What about some other um terms? Because you was on one of your videos, I was like, damn, she really breaking it down because I ain't never heard of none of this shit before. <laughs> I know. Let me even try to remember what I did. So that was a long time ago. <laughs> I was like doing so slow words. Okay. So free thinker. Free thinker. Yeah. So that's just someone who is not bound by like a dogma. So if you just feel like, okay, I'm not going to let religion or a predetermined, you know, set of beliefs lead my life, then that's more like a free thinker. Someone who just kind of like, I'm going to live my life experience. I'm open to experiences. I'm open to kind of taking what life will bring to me. Um, I think of that as being more of a free thinker and they can lean towards being more atheist, but there's also free thinkers who can also still be lean to be more theistic, like, because they might, you know, they might have experiences that they personally feel led them to encounter some kind of supernatural world or whatever it is, but it's from their own experience. And so just kind of being open to what life has to bring to you is kind of what I generally think of when I think of a free thinker. Yeah. Um, this is something one that I learned. Uh, Bright. Bright. Yeah, that's a good one. Let me even try to remember what that one was. So Bright was, um, it's fairly a recent one. Um, something about the um, God is not within them, but he wants to change the, the terminology up because it didn't sound, I guess it didn't sound too attractive to say there is no God, a godless soul or something. Yeah, it's one of those ones where people were like trying to find a more positive term to label like the land of unbelief, you know, because it's like skeptic, um, they're secular. So I think Bryce are just another one of those ones that people recently came up with to kind of describe like, hey, we're non-believers, but we want to make sure that people, it's not a negative connotation to it. Mm -hmm. And one more, because y'all can do the research on Mm -hmm. (laughs) y'all. Humanists humanist yeah so that's one that I really like um so I like humanism because it means that you're putting like humanity first basically so I think when people think about atheism a big thing that people get hung up is like oh where what about morality like you know like how do you how do you determine morality and things like that so we often say that with atheism like it's not like a moral code like atheism can't give you a guide to how to live your life it's just the, describes where you currently are with your faith either you believe or you don't believe right 
So humanism is more so, okay, it gives you more of a, like a set of beliefs to, to believe in, in terms of, so how should I live my life? And so humanists generally value like, okay, the human experience and like putting humanity first and working towards those, like all those pro-social behaviors that people would think about. And so you have people who are secular humanists who say, hey, I'm, I, I don't believe in, you know, gods or supernatural world, but I do believe in humanity and working towards the common good of, of human beings. And you also have people who are like religious humanists because they also still believe those things and they're still humanists. So I think when we say secular humanists, it's like people who are like, I'm not attached to a religious structure or supernatural structure, but I still value and want to do positive things for humanity. Okay, listen, y'all, you're going to get some information today. <laughs> yeah, you really, you, I wish, I was like, you just like a quiz, like, oh my God, what did I say? Like, because I, <laughs> uh, let me, I should have like, thought about it a little bit more. Yeah, but you like, because one thing I, um, when I did my research on you, like, you like to learn and, like, go down rabbit holes and stuff. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good interview. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I think it might be from insomnia or just, like, you know, I, I'll be sleeping up some nights and just not being able to sleep. And so I like to Google things and Wikipedia, and I do like learning this stuff a lot. Yeah, I can tell. Mm-hmm. So what are some misconceptions of being an atheist? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I feel like it's the the one that for me is the biggest one right now that I'm trying to like navigate is that the idea that somehow like I don't value social things like if you're an atheist that you're you know what's stopping you from murdering people or hurting people or like you know why would you do good things? Like if you don't believe in a God or something like that, that'll hold you accountable, then that automatically means that you're out here trying to hurt people, trying to scam people. Like you can't be trusted. You can't, you know, be involved mm-hmm. in community. Like people wouldn't want to be community. And so that's the one that I think is, is the biggest one that I'm trying to deal with right now as like, I'm more vocal about it and like telling people about what, what I believe or don't believe, right? I am really self-conscious about people viewing me as like a bad person if that makes sense like I don't want someone mm-hmm. to think that like I, I can't be trusted or that I'm gonna you know hurt them or hurt their families or do things to t- tear down communities like that's the farthest thing from my mind and so that's the one I think of the big misconceptions is that like we're viewed as people who are just without morals at all so we can't we can't interact with communities or societies in a positive way we're just out here trying to hurt and you know do bad things to people mm-hmm. and that's just not the case so I also feel like another misconception is atheists are only white people. Yeah, that is one, like, I get comments every now and then, like, I don't go back and forth a lot in the comments anymore, but that is one that somehow is like a European invention, like, white people invented um, non-belief, I guess, and so I think it also (laughs) doesn't help that, like, the last, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not a huge, I don't know the whole history of all these, like, people, like, the Richard Dawkins people, and, like, there's three other ones, I always forget their names, but it was, like, these four white guys that kind of started talking about it a lot, and they're out here writing books, and this and that, and so it it became more, like, focused, the face of it became really white, Um, and so people just think that, oh, it's, like, a white thing, and it's, it's not something I even really thought of until I was doing the videos and talking with people more often that people start saying, oh, like the white man has brainwashed you basically. And so 
I mean, I, 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 it's hard. I don't know how to, how else to explain it, but like, it's not something that is tied to a specific culture. It's just like, how do you, you know, if you don't believe something, you just don't believe something. I don't think you can attach to a culture. So I think generally like people usually think of people of color, specifically black peoples right I think there's something about black peoples across the diaspora that is just tied to um like they're always it's always like the opposite of whiteness right like so if if Europeans are considered x y and z then blackness is considered you know x y and z right so you know thinking of blackness as having a tie to that spirituality so being really tied to each other and ancestors and the earth and having that communal vibe is seen as like the opposite of whiteness right and mm-hmm. so I think just sometimes you'll think oh how, if you're if you're saying that you don't believe all these things that they're tied to spiritual stuff then that is the core of what is a, a lot of a lot of different black peoples across the diaspora right that's so core essential to their identity so to claim atheism is to like to to disown everything about my you know Africanity altogether and so you know it is what it is like I'm not I usually I don't know how else to explain to people how how I came to these beliefs but I feel like I can still participate in the parts of like spirituality in a way that makes sense to me right within my you know within my identity as a non-believer um because I like I still like music like I still feel like I still have emotions <laughs> I still am very tied to community and you know the things that make us human right our emotions I'm still very much tied to that um, mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, I don't have to explain it in any other way. I don't have to like explain it as, as coming from somewhere else besides coming from within, if that makes sense. Do you think there will ever be a time where non-believers will stop getting a bad rep? Yeah. And like, I hope so, because, you know, that's just me advocating for my own, my own, that's my heart of my identity now. I hope so. I don't know, um if it's going to happen in my lifetime. I was just thinking about this the other day. I was like, wow, is there ever going to be a time where it's like, I don't have to defend who I am or prove to people that I'm not a bad person. Um, So I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think it's going to be really hard. Like just having to, to deal with my own family, like present day, the struggles day to day that I have to go through Mm-hmm. as a part of like having this as a part of my identity now it's really hard like I'm still dealing with people like yeah I can tell that I have been possessed <laughs> yeah like you guys my about today she is a hundred percent certain that there's a demon inside of me today like mm-hmm. and it, it's really hard because it's like that's my mom like when you have people who anyone else in the world like if the people who gave birth to you think that you have a demon or you have a negative spirit inside of you it's really hard and so I don't that's like an extreme example but I I just don't I don't know what's going to happen in my lifetime where like people can be openly atheist and people won't automatically assume that um that they're you know antisocial or like trying to hurt people or they're just not fully functioning people in society and I think it's because mm-hmm. like I I and I'm, I'm since I'm I I, I hope I don't want to speak for believers because you know I I did grow up in the church so I I have some of that experience so I'm only speaking from my experiences right so I feel like because of religion people they put a lot of um 
authority into religion to kind of dictate morality and things like that. And so people just can't see, they can't see a pathway forward of figuring out morality outside of the confines of some religious structure, right? We've never in human history had to do that. And so I I just don't know how it's going to happen, but I hope so. I hope that one day people can kind of just, if they don't believe stuff, as long as their actions and the stuff that they're doing in community and for the world and society and their, you know, things like that are, are positive that they can just kind of be okay with who they are. Right. Well, we're going to talk more about your religious upbringing because just hearing you explain and also one of the misconceptions <laughs> you gave about people just afraid that you're a bad person, I can tell it really bothers you. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's just, it, it's hard to explain because especially when your mom like, is saying I, you I feel a like, demon in you yeah like it is hurtful just to hear that and to just live with right. that it is hurtful and it's like it's also doubly because there, there definitely are atheists aren't better than other people so it's like you have atheists out there who really are you know from anybody's a lot of people's definition they'd be bad people like they maybe hurt people or don't help people or whatever um so I just feel like I am so much the opposite of that. Like a lot of what I do in my life or the things that I have aspired to do, like I went into nonprofits. I specifically like am very community focused. Like I'm very much about like, how can we help people in the here and now, like trying to make sure that we have equitable society and like fighting for all human rights, things like that. So what to me, it seems like that's the, the negative side of that is so like completely on the other side of the world, opposite of who I think myself to be. And then to like constantly have to question that and like, you know, feel like I'm defending that side of me just, it becomes exhausting to the point of like, I just don't even want to like, I'd rather just hide it and not have to like, you know, for example, I had a friend who I went to high school with and, mm-hmm. you know, I was in, still involved in the church as a high school kid, like probably not like heavily, but you know, I was still going as part of my, part of my family's um, think, way of doing things. And so we became closer after, after like in our mid twenties, we kind of found each other again. And now she has like kids and like, she has no idea that I had become an atheist since, you know, we were in younger in high school. And so like, you know, it's hard to make friends as adults. And so like, I want to maintain that friendship, but I'm so worried that if she finds out that I'm an atheist now that she's going to like cut me out of her life, that she won't want me to interact with her kids that she'll you know she might even think there's a spiritual thing going on or demons or whatever it is and so having to like tiptoe that line and like try to like you know be present but also know that I can't reveal too much about myself so I just it's a burden to, but yeah. you know it's not it's not bad every single day but I mean like it just sucks because you more. can't be yourself yeah for sure and I, I I think about that like I wish but like being myself is not like I am not trying to be myself in a way that's gonna like I told my family recently like hey I haven't been Christian like I haven't been a believer in a while but you guys didn't even know like it's not like I come to fat family gatherings and you know <laughs> tear down Christianity or like you know talk like, hey, about Jesus like I, I'm an atheist yeah. how y'all doing <laughs> exactly like I don't announce it I don't have to like we can talk about all the regular stuff that you know we can talk about politics pop culture we can talk about our family stuff we can talk about all the other things we talk about and like I generally don't have any type of like ambition to you know I think that's one thing people that's that's a good misconception about atheism is that they're always trying to argue with somebody 
or they're always trying to debate somebody and I'm like I don't have the energy like I literally don't have the energy to debate with anybody about you know atheism theism, or anything like that so I think people sometimes think if you're an atheist you can't like interact with believers I'm like no I feel like most people that I know in my life are believers and it's fine like it's not something that comes up often it's more so me just not speaking some things out sometimes it's kind of keep it to myself out of respect like I still respect people and people's feelings and how they feel and I I know how important it is to people like and I don't want to negatively you know hurt people because um of what I believe or what they believe so I, I can I'm able to maintain relationships with people without having to you know tear down what they believe right do you meet a lot of black people that are atheists no no absolutely not <laughs> there's like yeah I feel like I've never <laughs> met one <laughs> I've never met one in real life like I've never like and I guess how would I know like I don't know how I would know unless like they wear a t-shirt that I'm an atheist you know but nobody wears that around here and number one where are you based from I'm in New York and I know you're in Minnesota right Minnesota yeah there's not that many black people to begin with like right <laughs> there's not that many of us here in the first place so there's that um so yeah I, I don't meet black atheists hardly ever I don't think I've ever like yeah and I was like I don't I don't ask people either because I don't you know I guess people don't how would you know unless someone tells you so right. but I've never like encountered a black person in real life and we both discover that we're atheists and non-believers. Is there a place for atheists to go to like, I don't know if this is the correct word to say, but to like for congregation or anything? Like, where do y'all go? Because I can only imagine I mean, how you would feel that you're not, it's not a lot of black people there and then you're a part of our, you're an atheist so you don't really have nobody to talk to or just fully be yourself because you're afraid people are going to judge you. So it's like, where do you go? the internet <laughs> I guess that's what happened is I ended up just going to the internet to, to talk to people so yeah there's there was there is like I think there's this app called the the meetup app and like I had gone to they have like a they don't call it like atheism or anything like that but it was like a they they have all kinds of names because a lot of people don't like to use the term atheist I think this one was like a secular humanist or something like that and so I went to a meetup that they did and it was all these old white people. So like, I just didn't even feel comfortable just being there for other yeah. to be in that space. <laughs> so there's that, but like, there are, I think if you're in bigger cities in general, you can probably find more like uh, spaces or like, if you look online, you can probably find some spaces. But um, I think the most, like for a lot of people who are minority groups, that the internet usually ends up being the place where you can most likely find people to talk to about that stuff um but yeah in Minnesota I have not I, I think they might have some meetup groups but they're not a lot of them and they're not super active so there's no like black non-believer space that like functions well I think here but if there is a community it's probably like a virtual community and just like message boards and different people doing different things online mm do you think the human brain was taught to believe in god and if so why uh listen don't quote me on anything because i did my degree in communication i'm not an anthropologist i'm not a scientist so like 
I think I just have my like ideas of what I I think because I had made a video kind of mm-hmm. trying to because I because I really do want to understand like I really want to understand what it is that makes me have these beliefs like you know why is it that it's harder for me to believe this versus someone else right so I think there is a case to be made for how like we we some parts that make it possible for people to believe things we do need to have that function in our brains right I think to be human there's a part of you that has to believe in things that you cannot see if that makes sense right like how would we believe in love if like you know I mean like there's some things that we that are not tangible that is necessary for us to 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 have faith in for us to function as human beings and at that higher level right so mm-hmm. I think there's a part of that that is like I want to understand what that means in the brain and for like social interactions um but there's also like just the 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 the, the science part of it too where it's like okay if you way 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 back before they had like tools to kind of research things like if you're looking at the sun like it makes sense to me how the sun would be your god like you don't know what the sun is you don't know all you know is that it controls your ability to get food or like to keep you warm and so you know using the sun is like okay we see we see this thing in the sky and they just believe that this thing has powers because it's doing things that affect them right the weather I think a lot of different um like cultures like outside of the the big the big ones like Christianity and Islam and things like that there's all all, there's tons of cultures out there who have tons of uh religious beliefs spiritual beliefs that are tied to the earth right because weather for a long time controls so much of you know human Mm -hmm. stuff like if there's flooding or volcano nature you know this yeah nature exactly so people Mm -hmm. lived in nature and they couldn't control it but they you know they try to find ways to control nature um, and that came with all these rituals and things like that. So I think it's a part of just how we evolved as human beings with nature that they did, they had no other tools. They didn't have any other tools to feel like, oh, why does this it flood over here? You know, why does this volcano erupt? Or why does, you know, why does it, we, we don't get rain, right? People would have, so many cultures have rain dances to kind of, to see if they can beg the heavens to send down rains. And maybe somebody does a certain kind of dance this way. And the next thing you know, it rains. So they keep doing it because they assume, okay, it worked this time. Let's continue doing it. So I feel like it's so many different factors that go into like, you know, how people evolved in the brain and just societally that it makes sense to me how religion became a thing because like, I can't even, I can't even imagine like 5,000 years ago, like even, you know, I think a lot of religions are older than that, but 5,000 years ago, the tools they had to kind of make sense of the natural world were very, very limited. And so humans do what they do best and they adapt and they do do what they can and, and you know, try to survive, so. Mm. I'm just curious, do you feel like this for every religion? Like, how do you feel about different religions? Because I'm pretty sure you did your research on those as well. Yeah, and so, like, for me, I, it's not so much a, like, so when I think of religion, I think of it as like it's got a certain I don't know if steps is the right word but there's certain confines so like you know I think Christianity is the one that I know the most about because that's the one that I was raised in right. so like 
there's certain like parts of religion that are just like each religion that are you know it's a it's a structure if that makes sense so within a religion there's a structure so I think there's some people who say okay I'm religious meaning that they they take the pre-made um the religious doctrine right so you know all kinds of religions have different texts they have different um ways of expressing their beliefs they have different things they say they should do in this life they have different expectations of what happens to you when you leave this life and so there's all kinds of things but they're pretty much pre-made pre-prescribed like here's here what the people from wherever what however long ago believed in and they continue to pass down those same beliefs so I think of religion as more as a structure but there's also yeah. people who are like just spiritual right so people who are like hey I don't believe in a sp- specific doctrine but I do believe that there is a spiritual world that our current tools cannot measure right and they interact with it on a personal basis so they might have their own personal way of interacting with um the spiritual world and so for me I think the reason I I I go by atheist is because it's not so much the religion it's more so the claims of that higher level of like that supernatural element of things right so I think that's for me where everything hangs on is like okay there's this idea that somehow right or not even how can it be proven because I don't think like if they're saying like supernatural it's like this is above you know our natural world like the just idea of something being supernatural means that it does not cross with anything we can't measure it right it's not something we can measure right like I that's what that's my problem with some atheists is like they're trying to prove or, or trying to disprove a god via science I'm like if there's a supernatural world, I don't believe that the tools of science are going to be what gets you to that supernatural world, right? This is above, it's something that's, it's something else going on, right? So I think for me, it's like, I- at this point, it's above our pay grade, right? Exactly. Like, I don't think, and that's to me, and that's where the thing is, like, that's, that, that's the feeling that leads me in this space of atheism is like, okay, if there is a supernatural world out there, number one, the the ways in which you interact with it to me it feels like it should be obvious and then like it should be more like it seems like for a lot of these religions and like spiritual beliefs is that you have to do something like you have to do something to activate it to interact with it right that's number one and to me I feel like well if this is a thing like if it's real if it's out here me as an individual I shouldn't have to like do something to activate like it should just be obvious in my life I should be able to know like okay I woke up this morning and I had this spiritual experience right like or this happened or I was driving and this happened it should be obvious in that way to me and it seems like a lot of the things that people put forward is like okay this thing happened because of a supernatural world I'm like well how do I know that like how do I tell the difference like Right. And that's where it gets fuzzy for me because it's like, okay, somebody can say, okay, I prayed and then I was healed. But then on the other side, you have someone who prayed and they were not healed. And you have someone who didn't pray and they were healed. So how do I now utilize it as a tool? Like, why should I now start making decisions? Or why should I now start like doing rich, participating in rituals to manipulate the spiritual world? Like, how can I actually effectively use it as a tool? And so far, I feel like I don't need to utilize it as a tool. So if it's there or not, they know where to find me. Like if it's, if it's something that's going to happen in my life, it'll happen. I just don't feel like I have to like put in so much effort to utilize it as a tool that I see other people doing. 
um, beyond the fact that I do think there's some personal benefits that people like, you know, it helps them feel more centered, it helps them feel connected to their ancestors, it helps them in a, a variety of ways, right, which I, I'm not going to downplay the effect that it has on people. But like, as I'm walking through this world in my life, I feel like, okay, if there's a supernatural world that I'm not going to go to science class and figure it out, the only way you interact with it is by living your life. And so far in my life, I have not yet found a, a way to use it as a useful tool to me. Um, so that's kind of where I am right now. I forgot, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be talking no, so much, I totally forgot what the question was. No, 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 you're good, you're good, you're good. You know what, let's start with your religious upbringing. But I feel like when you were describing it, and maybe it's also because your family is from Nigeria, it was very like intense yeah. for a child. So tell us about your background and what made y'all move to Minnesota yeah I mean I I definitely would eventually when I get my life together I want to actually do a real thorough examination of this I think it's fascinating like how like the so there's so many there's so much variety that existed in Africa um because there's still people today who think Africa is a country right so like there's so many different <laughs> religions and cultures it's it is so rich in culture in the continent of Africa right so they have many, many ways of expressing their spiritual beliefs. Like you go so many different ways, right? Beautiful ways, um, unique ways, all kinds of ways of doing that. Um, and a lot of it was tied to like, you know, nature and the idea that there was multiple gods, right? So the idea that, you know, you have a God that like, even in my own, like my parents' culture, Igbo, they have the name Chineke, which means like God, the creator, but like there were other gods, like other gods doing other things. And I think, you know, people always think about like Greek and Roman or whatever. They had like all those different gods, they did different things. So I think, you know, a lot of African cultures, they had multiple gods, a lot of stuff to do with nature. Um, and people interacted with uh, the spiritual world on many levels. Like they could have a small, like a, a medicine man who is really good at doing this, but they can kind of, you know, go back and forth with the spiritual world and like interact with it in those ways. So I believe, and this is like I said, I'm not a historian or anything like that, but when colonization happened, like they introduced uh, Christianity and then like Islam. So like within a span of like, I don't know if it's up to a hundred years, like Africa went from having all these different religious practices to now today being mostly either Christian or Islam, right? And mm-hmm. so I think with my mom and her, the way that she was brought up, um, by the time she was born, like, they had been colonized, and so she grew up also having Christian beliefs, but, like, she'll tell me stories of, like, her her father or her grandfather, and they were heavily involved in what they call juju, which is, like, witchcraft, right? Because mm-hmm. they were taught to believe that their native practices were evil and all demonic and all things are bad, and you should now turn to Christianity because that Jesus is the savior for everything, so... I think they kind of took a combination of their old practices. So like my mom super believes in, you know, the very, the gritty part of spirituality. So like the demons and it's warfare and you're fighting and the blood and like, you know, you have to fight. Like it's like, there's always constant warfare going on in the spiritual world and you have to fight it. And there's witches, there's people who will put spells on you. There's like, you know, and that's because from her experience with her father and her grandfather is like mm-hmm. having seen them do, I'm sure like all kinds of spiritual, whatever, whatever, they just have this idea that all that stuff is evil. And there's, you know, it, it involves blood, it involves sacrifice. So all these things that they were conditioned to believe are, are bad. 
Mm-hmm. And so she carried that with her as they, you know, through their Christian beliefs. And so they'll believe in, they believe in Jesus. They believe that Jesus is God's son. And they believe in, you know, they believe in hell and they believe in the Holy Spirit. But they're also like, you know, super like, again, they, they have a lot of demons and things that they're fighting. So I think that's a part of um, like the Africanity that is very much present. Um, so she came here to the States. Um, I don't know why they picked Minnesota. I think it was just like, maybe they had known people <laughs> who hadn't been here before or something like that. Like my dad went to school in North Dakota yep. and then he's like, F it. <laughs> Yo, no lie. I was like, why did they pick Minnesota of all places? <laughs> I don't know. I still wonder the same thing. I still live here. I don't know. I think it's just because, like, proximity. Like, maybe they knew some people who had settled here or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. They, <laughs> I wish they hadn't, but it is what it is now. So, yeah, they came here, and she joined a church here that was... Um, I, like you know people immigrants find each other like they had a the church version uh deeper life bible church it was in nigeria so you know once they came over here they just rented off a space here and, and created that church here um but they were super like and i also think it's like the african and i don't i can't speak for all of africa but i know with a lot of nigerian culture they're super into authority and so like pastor is mm-hmm. everything like you can't defy pastor um and so they just had a very conservative you know way of life like they like a lot of conservative religions like women are second-class citizens you you know you have to wear dresses in church you have to wear long skirts you can't have your hair open um anything that would spiritually uh bring you down like anything worldly world i have a hard time saying that worldly so like you know you can't wear makeup because that's vanity right you can't wear jewelry that's vanity I know you say you couldn't wear extensions, but you also couldn't watch the Little Mermaid. No, what that, the mermaid in Nigeria is a is a witch. She's a sea witch. So I was <laughs> right. like, how how dare you bring this sea witch to my to my family, right? So all these things that they just feel are tied to the to the spiritual world in a negative way, which is a lot of things. Like at a certain point, it just becomes irritating because everything, like, <laughs> like you literally, do like if it's, either it's the you can't do anything exactly like it's the bible you have the church you gotta any if it wasn't specifically made to glorify god you know then it was considered say of satan right so like if the music you're listening to is if you're not singing to god you're automatically singing to the devil if you're not like creating that art for god you're creating it for the devil and if you're not like doing something that's specifically supposed to be bettering the kingdom of god you're doing it for the devil so that it just gets a narrow scope of like what is okay basically and so I didn't really think like I didn't know any different like I had no other other experience like I was that's the church that uh we were born into like not literally we weren't born there but like you know when she had us as babies that's the church that she was attending um so we went there for a while and like it was just like the children are so uh flexible like the way that as a child just able to accept reality whatever your reality is without questioning it (laughs) that's just what it was (laughs) you don't have a choice like I wasn't walking around like at the time one like oh why can't I wear pants to church or why do I have to wear a hat it was just you just did it because that's what every that's what it was and you just did it you didn't ask questions too much and so like I it wasn't until later on that like 
I even started to unpack some of those things, like in my, as an adult and going through my teenage years, like what that meant, like, you know, as a woman, like as your identity, as a woman, like everything tied to womanhood was Mm -hmm. seen as a negative, right? Like the way that, and I think that's not just, I think it's a lot of religions too, is like, you know, just trying Mm -hmm. to find your identity as a young woman um, and feeling like, you know, everything about me is bad or dirty or like whatever, right? Or, you know, all those kinds of things. And so um, as a kid, I I think I was mainly just having fun. Like I would go to church, hang out with my friends, um, things like that. But I think I, I didn't like the... I think when I was in around middle school time, we had gone to another church that was similar. Are you talking about the predominantly white one? Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So my mom bounced around to, after the first, I'm trying to remember, after the first church broke up, which is a hot mess, like that, like, that's the thing when you <laughs> yeah. put power, too much power in one person's hands, like, it becomes a hot mess because there was no accountability. There was no type of like, you know, oversight. It's just like they had this one pastor who was the, the head of everybody and like he got all the money and eventually he ended up misusing the money. So it's like there was no type of accountability at that church at all. And it was just a lot of power hungry, in my opinion, dudes mm-hmm. <laughs> who were trying, who were preying on vulnerable women, especially immigrant women who come to this country and they don't have anything else familiar that becomes their home, which I, I don't like. I don't fault, I never fault any of these people in that situation because I, I know what that means. Like you come to a country, especially Minnesota, where you don't see anybody that looks like you, you don't right. see anything that's familiar. It makes sense to me why they would like, you know, cling to that, to that space and like do whatever they could to, to maintain that space. Um, but yeah, we bounced around after that church fell apart, um, went to a predominantly white church, which is like white conservatives, like it's a trip. Like they are a whole nother level of, and they're organized. Like they were more organized so they could take their like beliefs even further. Um, they weren't as into like the spiritual world. They weren't like super, like my mom's church brought that like that tradition of old of like very enthusiastic praying and, and you know, chanting <laughs> no. and singing like <laughs> yeah they like they, listen I don't I'm not mad at the music like I think of black people in general across the diaspora like in terms of music and creating music that it really moves somebody like they had a good time in the, the you know praise worship was not was not a bad time at all um so they had that part of it then we got to the white church and like it's like oh god ah, da, da. like they were very cold you know like um, mm-hmm. but they were very into the Bible. They still kind of believed in demons, but they didn't feel like they had to fight them as much. They just felt like, you know, avoid them, you know, so they still avoid Halloween. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, when I was at that church, the white church, I definitely felt, um, I don't know if it's racism, but like, there's something about white evangelicals that's just like mm-hmm. still off-putting to me. I don't want to offend anybody, but like, mm-hmm it's funny like they can still kind of maintain their values and christianity but also somehow be racist i don't know like they yeah it's a weird dynamic a lot of the people of color who are at that church were adopted black people from white families like they didn't they didn't want to like genuinely interact with communities of color if that makes sense they would rather just adopt the children and then raise them in their church 
Yeah, I remember one time we were at, like, I will never forget to say we were at church, and we were like one of the only Black families, like mother, father, children, like that were not adopted, right? And so I was sitting there in the pews, and a white lady brings her son, who was like maybe four or something, he was a Black boy, and she's like, oh, look, there's some other chocolate people. And she brought this kid to introduce <laughs> us, like, oh, look, I'm introducing my son to, like, other chocolate people. I'm like, this is, like, what are we supposed to do with that? Like, oh, I'm you, Black boy, like. It was very <laughs> awkward, but they were, that's just how it was. Child, black people are so crazy. But also, your mom didn't like that church either. She did not. She didn't like it because even though my, yeah, my mom definitely has issues with, um, you know, she's still black. She just, she didn't like the way sometimes people treated her. Um, it just wasn't as, you know, exciting like she enjoyed the cultural part of her previous churches you know speaking the same language as the people you know they shared they would bring food to church like you know after church they'd hand out rice and chicken and food and like they'd eat eating their food together like it was a community right so I mm-hmm. feel like you know the white church provide her with like her obligations as a Christian like okay you have to go to church you study the bible you pray you kind of stay away from the bad stuff fine but with the other church, like the African churches, that's where it fed her soul for real, for real. Like that's where she could go and like, you know, sing in the, in the way that she wanted to sing and dance in the way that she wanted to dance and like, you know, believe in the things that she wanted to believe in the wake through her cultural lens from back home. Um, so she didn't like that they, they were not as, you know, exciting at that church. And she also just didn't like being one of the few Black families in the church. She wanted to go back where she felt in. So yeah, she kind of had issues with that church and she didn't like that they didn't, they weren't super intense about praying. She felt like it was very necessary to, you know, go and fight the demons and like attack them before they attack you and, and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, they don't pray enough here. They don't do enough uh, spiritual warfare here. There's no prayer, prayer warriors at this church. So they're gonna, they're not doing a good job. Now let's fast forward to college. If I'm not mistaken, you took a class on philosophy and you did your research on, or your research paper on religion, what happened? Yeah, so, yeah, that was a big, um, I feel like when I, going into college, I, I knew I still believed, and the only reason I know I still believe, there's two reasons I know, is because (laughs) I, I was, I don't want to say, I, I don't, I don't want to expose myself too much. But I feel like I went to college my first semester. What's the thesis? You wound out? Yeah, kind of like, you know, I did all the things that you could expect. I mean, nothing, nothing out of the nor- normal, but compared to like what, if my mom find out something, it's like the drinking, like I had smoked weed for the first time. Like I had like, you know, messing with boys, just like all the things that, would be I think a typical teenager would do yeah so nothing like I didn't do like heroin or anything like that like I just was kind of like you know living life even went to parties you know dancing you know dancing with people like singing people were drinking just like things that people would expect in a typical like college life right but I felt so bad about it so I remember coming home after that first semester and like writing in my journal, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I did this, I did this, like, oh my gosh, like, I was so stressed, because like, you know, that's all the things I swore up to mom I wasn't going to do, 
once I mm-hmm. went to California, which she already thought California was the devil's land because that's what Hollywood is. So she's like, you better be careful because <laughs> you're going out here. Like, don't get caught up in the devil's work, all, all this kind of stuff, right? So I knew I still believed because I remember very vividly journaling about it and being like, you know, think I got next semester, I'm going to do better. Like, I'm going to avoid this temptation. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be stronger, whatever, whatever, right? And then also I had joined... Um, and like an on-campus uh, ministry group, but I think they're pretty common on universities, like, you know, it's like a student group organization, um, you know, I don't, they just did Bible study and retreats and things like that. So I had signed up for that voluntarily. So that's the only reason I know that I was still kind of, I still believed in my, the, my upbringing at that point, like within that first year I was in college, right? Um, but I was struggling with it. Like I wasn't, um, I knew I was struggling with it because like I was asking myself questions specifically related to like suffering. And like, I, mm-hmm. I know, cause I love babies. I love babies. I, I grew up in youth work um, as a nanny. So like, I love babies and I love, I love working with youth. And so I, I just couldn't wrap my mind around, like we had recently had a family friend's kid who had passed and he was like, nine or ten and like he had just gotten out of out of a pool or he was swimming or whatever whatever and then he had died like just he fell and he died like his heart stopped and Mm. so in my mind like at that time trying to like understand it you know like the general things that people would tell you like okay well everything is in God's plan you know all things work for the greater good of the Lord like all these kinds of things but then in my mind I'm like he didn't have to die like he wasn't hurting anybody like to try to like understand why that had happened and then kind of tie that to like all the things that we have been taught growing up like like in my mind we did all these things right like we pray all this much we do all these things to avoid having this happen and then all of a sudden out of the blue like a little innocent kid just died out of the blue I'm like whoa like that is not at all what I had it just like it just it it was a confrontation it was a mental confrontation you know what I mean if that makes sense like right trying to like understand how that happened right and so that's when I just started thinking like well you know what is like suffering like you know you know you have and I was had my laptop for the first time I didn't have a laptop too much in high school and so you know you go to college you get a laptop I was on the internet so I was like a lot seeing a lot of stuff about like there's lots of people in the world who are suffering we've got a famine over here you got this natural disaster, you have all these things happening in the world, where there are people who have a different faith, all this kind of, even Christian societies, and you have little babies dying, like suffering, being killed, or kidnapped, or whatever, and then I'm like, what, like, and then I started doing math in my head, like, how many children in this world actually have a good life, like, from what I would measure as a good life, right, how many children in this world actually um, live a pain-free life, and I started thinking, like, the numbers in my head of like how many kids have died over the course of humanity in such tragic ways and like trying to make sense of that being a reality with also the reality of having like a God who's supposed to love and take care of people. So I'm not going to say that's what led me to atheism, but I know I was struggling with my faith because like Mm -hmm. I was trying to make it fit. I was trying to make it make sense. And like, I'll usually tell people like, you know, I didn't, anticipate I was going to become an atheist I really thought that like I would go through and like I just need to read more of the bible like go to bible study 
read more, like double down on it, focus, and like, it'll be fine. I genuinely, at that point, my freshman year, I did not think I was going to be an atheist. Like I never even thought I was going to be an atheist in my entire life. Nothing at all would have led me to think, oh, I'm going to be an atheist. I knew I didn't like church because of how early it was, how long it was. The, the ladies were kind of mean, annoying, but I never thought I was going to end up an atheist mm-hmm. and not believe in a God, right? So what led you to become an atheist then? Right. And I'm still trying to figure out the best way to explain it. So like I had taken the class, a philosophy class, and like, I'm not like a philosophy head. Like I'm not super into, I have my issues with the way that they kind of present the traditional philosophy. I think it's very Western and like white dominated. So like, I'm not trying to, to praise Western philosophy at any, by any means. I just like, for me, that was the first time that I ever asked myself certain questions. Like I had never in my life asked myself, how do you know there's a God? Like I, it was not even up until I was at that, my second year of college, I don't think I had never even thought it was, I, it was just such a given. It was such a given that we believe in God, obviously there's a God because, and that was the first time that I had to actually ask myself, okay, and I was in that class, like really trying to defend Christianity. Like, oh, how, like, people are like, how do you know that you have a soul? I'm like, what do you mean how do you don't have a soul? Because, and then realizing that I, I wasn't able to articulate the things that I believed in. Like, if I say I believe these things, then how come I can't explain it, right? How come I can't make the case that I want to make? I just kind of had, had them, that I just had them in my heart and I just didn't really know how to explain them, right? So that was a philosophy class. The main thing with that class was just that I had asked myself sort of like the key questions I had never in my life asked myself before. Like, what is, um, you know, what is justice? Or like, how do you know you have a soul? Like all these questions that I hadn't asked myself. So that's was that class. And once like you go down that path of starting to ask yourself questions, me being an overthinker and just having a really strong internal dialogue, like I wanted to have an answer. Like I wanted to like, like, I feel like I was an A student. Like, I was really good in school. I, like, I like studying. I like learning. And I now was confronted with this subject. I'm like, I'm going to master this subject. I need to know. I need to be able to explain my beliefs. I want to be the best at explaining my beliefs. I want to be the best at understanding what I believe. And then the further I went down that road, I was like, oh, damn. Like, I actually don't. I can't. To get down to the root of it, how do you prove there's a God? I started to realize that I can't actually prove there is a God and Mm -hmm. so therefore why do I believe it then right and so that was kind of where I was that class and then the other class that I had taken was a class where like we were comparing um the three like the um the Quran with the with the Old Testament like the the Torah and then with the um New Testament so we were looking at like those those three different scriptures and I think when I even started the class like they go around and ask people like you know, what is, what is your spiritual background? Like, what's your belief? Kind of an icebreaker type situation. And so I, I would have put Christian, I think. And the professor himself was a rabbi. So he was Jewish. Um, so he was a believer, but <laughs> he was a Jewish believer. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like I, what, I feel like, oh, it's because he had an atheist teacher. Like I never had an atheist teacher before in my life. Um, so we're taking that class. And so I did never, like, I honestly, as a kid, I didn't even know what Jewish people were. I just really thought they were other white people. Like they're white people who believe something <laughs> like something else, right? I had saw Prince of Egypt. I'm like, something about that, right? So like I didn't know anything about Judaism. 
only thing I knew about Islam was the negative stuff. Like my mom talked mad smack about, um, you know, Islam. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't know a whole lot about the actual doctrine. Like what they, what, like, what do they actually believe? Like, why are these religions so different and why are they such a big deal? So like studying it from that point of view and like reading the scripts or the texts and like, trying to make arguments based on that or like you know look up definitions of things and like from an academic point of view and like reading what other people have said from other backgrounds um I think what that did for me was just it made me realize that there's so many different ways that people are interpreting our reality like I know like I'm alive in this reality right but these this is not just one person we're talking about centuries right like judaism is old islam is old like hinduism is old buddhism is old like you have entire civilizations who have come to radically different interpretations of what's going on right and so here i am trying to say oh i picked this one this one's the right one i'm like i don't know if i can do that like what gives me the the the, why am i able to say i picked this one this is the right one when there's so many other things and so that was kind of what it did for me and then the the paper that I have written um for my final paper was like we had to pick a topic to to do um our final paper on that we had studied all all semester so I picked hell I actually I picked Satan I think it was like Satan or hell I think you picked Satan Satan. hell yeah so it's like I had to pick a topic and I think I picked it I'm trying to remember why I picked that topic because I think that's where probably was the final frontier for me is like okay yes I can ask questions about why they're suffering yes I can question how do I know if there's a god or not yes I can question how there's so many so much diversity and how these beliefs are or how they people you know have their religious beliefs but it was still a, a bit of fear like okay well if you're wrong you're gonna go to hell right that was the one thing like okay well just you know Pascal's wager is just believe it just go along with it that to avoid hell because hell would be the ultimate you know that's the worst place you can find yourself in for eternity which is Mm -hmm. a very long time right so I'm like okay that was the last thing that was holding me back from like letting go of the beliefs like I was just so terrified of the idea of like okay if I die I'm gonna go to hell and so by doing that paper like learning about how even the idea of hell wasn't uniform even across these three religions that are all stem from the same place, their idea of what hell was, was very different. And so I'm like, how do I even know that like hell exists? Because you have these people over here saying, okay, well, it used to mean this. And like, it used to mean a valley. And it was, it was a metaphor, right? A lot of uh, Jewish stuff talks about the Bible being a metaphor and this and that. And so I'm like, huh. So even, you know, even the idea of hell is not universally there's no universal con- there's no universal consensus on what it is and so I think after kind of coming to that conclusion that we don't know for sure I think that just re- emotionally released me um, to be able to like not cling to the belief so much like I have to believe this I have to believe this I have to believe this I was fighting to believe it I would say you know what I don't have to believe it. I can be okay um, because we don't know like there's so many different interpretations I can just let go of this belief and not hold on to it so much mm. This concludes part one of episode 139. I am a Black atheist.
part two will be dropping next week. So please make sure to stay tuned. And if you like what you're hearing, please make sure to buy your girl a coffee by clicking the link in the show notes below. Until next time, everyone. Later. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.